Welcome to the Cheyenne Vineyard Podcast, bringing you a message of hope for your everyday world. If you'd like to contact us, contact us at info at CheyenneVineyard.com. You can also find out more information about the Cheyenne Vineyard Church at CheyenneVineyard.com. Thank you and enjoy today's podcast. The message that I, I think I have for you this morning uh, is is one that I hope will expand our our vision for what God is doing in the church with the church on on the earth. As I, I think I want to start out with a, a little picture for you. Uh, I don't know how many of you have been involved in, in building, but um, I, I've done some building in my life. And uh, back a number of years ago, we, we bought a garage kit to build um, a workshop out at our house. And this big truck came, and it, it dropped everything off in the driveway and it was all supposed to be there and nearly all of it was but there it was on on our driveway and uh my my question is so was that the shop uh, well in in a sense it was but it it was not the fullness of the shop, okay? It, it had the potential to become a shop with quite a bit of work. But right then, it was, it was a pile of material. And, you know, Paul talks, or Peter, rather, in 1 Peter chapter 2, he, Peter talks about how, how we are living stones and we're, we're being built in, into something. And, you know, in, in my church experience, uh, I, I have been uh, mostly part of churches that were a collection of, a pile of material, okay? Uh, we, we weren't a, a finished product. We, we weren't really knit together into what God fully intends. So that passage was First Peter... Chapter 2, 1 through 10. So put away all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up to salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, 
to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So, <clears throat> we are being, we are like living stones that are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Uh, that's, that's who we are. And so, I, I think what I'm supposed to talk to you about today is, is our, our vision for where God wants to take the church. And it's, it's where God wants to take the church corporate, worldwide, but, but it's also where he wants to take the local church. And I, I think maybe part of the problem that the church in America has is, is that, that we don't have a vision that is far enough or big enough of, of what God really intends for the church. Because the, the church is, is not this physical building. The church is us. We, we are the living stones who are being built into something. And it is the eternal purpose of God that Paul talks about that that we're we're being built into and and I think that's where where I want to go today so let's pray Father I thank you that you're uh, a god of purpose that everything you do has a multiplicity of purposes because everything you do is all tied together and you see everything at once and uh, you're not slow. You're, you're methodical and complete. And uh, Lord, I, I pray you'd give us uh, a spirit of wisdom and revelation this morning to, to understand your purposes for us and your your purposes for your people in the earth. 
Lord, for the glory of your Son. Amen. So, there's a, a verse, I, I believe in Proverbs, uh, that without vision, the people perish, or more specifically, without a prophetic vision, the, the people cast off restraint. And, and so, if, if the church doesn't really have a clear picture of our purpose that God is taking us to, then, then I think that's what happens, is we, we tend to lose our way, we, we tend to cast off restraint, we, we tend to uh, just uh, get off on the wrong track. So I, I think what the Lord wants to speak to us about today is his eternal purpose for, for the church that Paul talks about in Ephesians. And it's, it's interesting that something as important and vital as the eternal purpose of God uh, isn't uh, more often mentioned in, in Scripture, uh, but primarily uh, it's, it's alluded to in many places, but really only talked about as such in that one passage in Ephesians. So I'm going to be talking about the church and the kingdom of God today. So we, we have to understand the distinction be, between the two a little bit so that we don't um, get mixed up as to what it is that we're talking about. The, the kingdom of God, remember, is wherever the dominion, the rule of God is in place. Uh, it's, it involves us. When, when we choose to submit to the will of God, then we, we're part of the kingdom. But it involves more than just human beings on the earth. It, it involves the heavenly beings. It involves angels who are, are part of the kingdom of God and they carry out his will. Uh, we know that angels do that. And then there are those other creatures that are talked about some places in the Bible uh, that we don't really know much about, but they're in heaven, so we know that they, they must be part of God's kingdom. And they, they worship him. And when they built the... Um, Oh, the <laughs> what's what's in the holy of holies? The the ark. When they built the ark of the covenant, they they built likenesses of of some of these heavenly beings. And we know that even in Revelation, when John saw some of these beings, he he had trouble describing what they looked like because there, there just wasn't anything on the earth that was like them. So, so anyway, that, that is, in a nutshell, the kingdom of God. And we, we know that Jesus came to earth to really establish the spiritual kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God on the earth. 
the nation of Israel was a, a physical picture, uh, a, a likeness, a type of the kingdom that would come, but it was in, it was in the natural. And, and we know that when, uh, when David was king, and then uh, the, the kingdom of Israel rose to prominence and it, it reached its peak under Solomon and uh, was influencing the earth. But it was only influencing a small geographic area. So the spiritual kingdom of God that is now on the earth, ushered in by Jesus, is, is to have spiritual influence throughout the, the entire earth. And, and that's, that's what God intends. So the church, as opposed to the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, is made up of those individuals on earth who have been born again. We, we are the church on the earth. We've, we've received the Holy Spirit. We've been made into new creations. And it, it is not always 100% evident who is part of that and who is not part of that. Uh, you know, in a, in a crowd of this size, even on a church here on a Sunday morning, uh, there, there probably are, are a few people who may not actually be part of the true church, even though they're sitting physically in this physical church building this morning. Uh, and and we're, we're told to not worry so much about that until the end. But what we do is we proclaim the truth, we proclaim the gospel, hoping that all of those who, who are here will become part of the true church. Now, the relationship between the church and, and the kingdom on the earth the church is intended to be the instrument of God's kingdom on the earth. Because we, we are the ones who have access to that heavenly kingdom on, on a moment-by-moment basis where being new creations, born again, we have these new spiritual capacities that, that we did not have before we were born again and before we were uh, made into new creations. And these, these are spiritual capacities that we did not have that now we have. And, and God can move through us to touch people, to change atmospheres, to, to change places, uh, by his spirit working through us and and that is is really cool <laughs> because we we can't do it on our own he he has to do it through us and empowering us because again he has a plan he has purpose he is moving this this whole thing of creation toward an end and 
the, the end that he is moving all of creation toward is the final, full, and ultimate expression of his kingdom where we have a new heaven and a new earth and he is dwelling with us and he is the light. He, he is the only light that we need. We don't even need the sun anymore. And there is fullness of justice. There, there's fullness of health. There's no longer any sorrow. Uh, there's so many Old Testament passages that, that give glimpses of, of what this ultimate expression of, of the kingdom is, is going to be. Uh, I, I wrote down a, a couple. There's, there's one in Isaiah 66 that is representative and it's good. Uh, Daniel and Isaiah are probably the two prophets in, in the Old Testament that, that give us the, the most insight into the fullness of, of the kingdom. So let's, let's just look at Isaiah 66, uh, starting in verse 20. Never again will there be in it an infant who dies but a few days or an old man who does not live out his years. He who dies at a hundred will be thought a mere youth. He who fails to reach a hundred will be considered accursed. They will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. No longer will they build houses and others live in them or plant and others eat. For as the days of a tree, so will be the days of my people. My chosen ones will long enjoy the works of their hands. They will not toil in vain or bear children doomed to misfortune. For they will be a people blessed by the Lord, they and their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb will feed together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. But dust will be the serpent's food. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, says the Lord. So, this is, this is part of our great hope. This, the, the fullness of the kingdom, and as God's people... We, we get to live eternally in, in the fullness of that kingdom when it happens. And, and that, that should strengthen us to, to live faithful lives here on the earth. But while we are here on the earth, there, there is still something that God wants to do in us and with us and, and through us. And, and we, we need vision for, for that because that will motivate us and, and, and give us vision that will help keep us aligned with what God is doing. And where I want to go with that is Ephesians chapter 1 where Paul talks a little bit about this eternal purpose of God. 
And his God's eternal purpose is to make known his manifold wisdom through the church. And see, it, it, it kind of goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. And, and if we look at the life of Adam and Eve before the fall, they, they had such amazing fellowship with the Lord. Uh, and they, they represented him perfectly they 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 must have shown the the glory of god cuz they 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 lived in in this perfect fellowship they they walked in the garden with god after the fall that that wasn't possible anymore so they they perfectly represented god on the earth and and they uh they took care of creation perfectly and and that's that's a picture of god's intention but his intention was much bigger and and we know about the fall uh, that the serpent, Satan operating through a serpent, was was able to get Adam and Eve to sin. And Satan probably thought he had ruined everything. But God being omnipotent knew what was going to happen and he already had the solution. But as as with god's solutions it, it was not an immediate solution <laughs> there there was a, a whole lot of process that that went into the solution of god and we know a huge part of god's solution to the problem was him sending his son to the earth to live a perfect life to show all of humanity what uh, a true human life looked like and it looked somewhat like the life of Adam and Eve but because things had gotten so messed up on the earth the mission had changed somewhat because with Adam and Eve the whole of creation was was still perfect un until the fall by the time Jesus arrived on the scene some few thousand years later things had gotten quite messed up so when Jesus came bringing the kingdom to earth there, there was a lot of restoration that needed to take place. And, and we know that 
part of the ministry of Jesus, not only in his own life, but also through the church, is, is to make things right again, to make things new, to take what has, has been messed up and bring the rightness of, of God's kingdom into a person's life, into a family, into a city, into sickness, into what, whatever it is, and take that which was messed up and, and make it right again. Making all things new. So <clears throat> that's that's a lot of introduction. Uh, let's let's go to Ephesians chapter one and and start in verse eight and look at this primary passage here about God's eternal purpose. To me, the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things in order that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. Therefore, I ask you not to lose heart at my tribulations on your behalf, for they are for your glory. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. So let's, let's go back a little bit to verse 10. In order that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church, to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. This is in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord. So my, my understanding of, of the eternal purpose of God is that it's, it's kind of twofold. That, that all things would, would be brought under Christ uh, in, in his 
fullness of, of ruling. And, and, and that is taking place even now. And, and that, is, that is the expansion of the kingdom, okay? Because eventually the, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, is, is going to be all-inclusive except for that which is judged by, by God at, at the end. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited about being able to teach on the Feast of Trumpets and the Day of Atonement and the Feast of Tabernacles soon because that, that whole feast really points to that which I'm talking about today, of, of bringing all things under Christ. But then the second part of God's eternal purpose involves us. It involves the church. And what Paul says here about the church and the eternal purpose of God is rather astounding. Uh, it, it is to me, anyway. Because I've been part of the church since I was, well, I was in the church the whole time I was in the womb every, every week. And I, you know, my whole life, is, I've been an observer of this thing, the church, and have, have been truly a part of it as a born-again person for a long, long time. And, and for God to say this, that the manifold wisdom of God might be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places in accordance with his eternal purpose, which he carried out in Christ our Lord. Uh, is, is he talking about the same church that I have been a part of? And yes, is, is the answer. Yes. He's, he's, he's talking about us. And, and, and he's, he's talking about his, his purpose is, is to show the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. And, and I, I think that, that involves uh, angelic beings who are part of the kingdom of heaven, but it also involves the principalities and powers and rulers on, on the other side. And the kingdom of darkness is what I'm talking about. And God's eternal purpose is that, that through us, through the church, that we would show forth how smart God is to have sent his son to redeem fallen humanity. That, that is the second part of, of the eternal purpose of God. That, that, that we, the church, would show 
not just the angels, but also the demons, that just how smart God was in sacrificing his son to redeem us, to be able to live with him and actually reign with him in eternity. But this, see that, that eternal part of, of the eternal purpose is, is easier for me to grasp than the part of the eternal purpose that is right now. Because the, the idea of ruling and reigning with Jesus in, in a new heaven and a new earth after Jesus returns and the whole kingdom of darkness is, is either locked up for a thousand years or is completely done away with forever, depending on your view of the millennium. Uh, I, I can get, wrap my head around that one pretty easily when the whole the whole enemy camp is is gone but there there is eternal purpose for us now before Jesus returns and it it is uh it it's revealed a little more as as we go a little bit further in Ephesians, and we're going to do that in a minute. But the the eternal purpose of God for for us is is that His His glory be displayed in us now, even before Jesus returns. That, that, that there is a fullness that God is, is going. And, and see, this, this is the part of the vision that, that we, we really need to grasp. And it is that, that God is going to do this. That that he is going to bring forth a remnant, at least, of the church in, into a, a fullness and a glory that, that I think right now we, we have a hard time even thinking about, even believing. Uh, and that's the eternal purpose of God. That, that as God brings this about in, in us, the, the people who are just willing and, and say yes and, 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 and stop uh, fighting him in, in the process, that, that he is going to bring forth a part of the church in, into a glory and, and a fullness that, that will astound the kingdom of darkness. And, and it, will, it will astound the angels 
because they're they're part of of the rulers in 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 the heavens it's and and as God does this, it will display his manifold wisdom in saving us in the first place. See, this is, this is kind of out there. I've never heard a message on this in my whole life. Has anybody? Wow, two. That's... That's great. <laughs> I didn't give it, did I? <laughs> okay, just making sure because <clears throat> sometimes I have a hard time remembering from week to week, especially when it's just, it's all coming from the Holy Spirit as it goes. But, but anyway, okay. Let's let's look at a couple of these other passages in Ephesians and maybe get a little bit more grasp of of what this really is is all about. So the next passage uh, <clears throat> is in Ephesians chapter three, and this this is another one of Paul's apostolic prayers that that are are great material for your prayer life. Even part of that first passage that we looked at in Ephesians 1 is an apostolic prayer, or it was part of an apostolic prayer. And, and if, you're, if you're in your prayer time and you're having a hard time finding stuff to pray, these apostolic prayers are highly recommended. So starting in Ephesians 3.16... I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, <clears throat> that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. I think we probably should all pray that at least once a day for each other. Uh, Paul did not have any problem with the mystery of God. Okay? That's clear. From, from this prayer. Uh, just, just look at some of this stuff, okay? To know this love that surpasses knowledge. Someone who doesn't uh, appreciate 
the mystery of God couldn't pray something like that for the people in a church that he helped plant. Did you get that? <laughs> to know something that is beyond knowing. That's what he's praying. And then, I mean, after that, it gets even better that that they would be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And, and that is the eternal purpose of God for us in the church. That, that we would be filled to all the fullness of God. And, and like I said... This, Paul is not praying for something that won't happen. He, he is praying for something that is going to happen. The, the question is, are, are we willing to be part of it? Which, which means getting way beyond where, where we are now. And we, we don't really have a grid for what that's going to look like other than that it's going to be glorious. That as, as Moses, when he came down the mountain and his the glory of God was still so reflecting off of his face that it freaked the people out. Uh, that's probably within the grid of what we're talking about. And, and there's, there's more here. And, and see, this, this I think is... even more telling about Paul because even, even with the heavenly experiences that, that Paul had, I, I think this is the best he could come up with in, in a prayer because even he couldn't really... He, he, could, he could see, but he, he couldn't see. You know what I mean? He, he, he could see that God was doing this, but he didn't still know what it was going to look like. So, so he has to pray something like this in the closing. To him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. <laughs> and I... I just, I, I, I feel Paul saying, okay, I, it's got to be included in that. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the best I can do, God. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I can't get any more specific than that, but I know you can do 
what you've put on my heart that I know you want to do and you're going to do, and I want to pray for you to do it, and it's got to fall within these words. (laughs) And then... uh, there's, there's another little glimpse of, of this in Ephesians chapter 5. And, and this, this is part of his really interesting discussion about husbands and wives and, and the church. So we'll, we'll pick up on this in, in Ephesians 5.25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word to present her to himself as a glorious church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. So if, if you were wondering, is, is this really going to happen? Is, is, is God really going to bring forth something glorious in in people like us yeah yeah to present her to himself as a glorious church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless. Now, that is is a vision that we need. That that where where God is taking me, where where God is taking you, is is to be a glorious church without stain or wrinkle or any blemish, but holy and blameless. And, and okay, now I, I can sense objections rising up in, in some of you. You may not admit it. But you, maybe, maybe along with me at, at some point, would say, well, he's, he's got to be talking about after Jesus returns. No. He's, he's not. He's, he's talking about before Jesus returns, because when Jesus returns, he comes back 
for a bride who has made herself ready. And this is the description of what it looks like for the bride to be made ready. Glorious, blameless, without spot or wrinkle. That's, that's the bride Jesus is coming back for. Not the bride after he comes back. I mean, yes, that's true also. But it's, it's true before. And when you put those two passages together, <clears throat> there, there is a part in this for us. Okay? Because when, when you only look at this, at Ephesians, it, it looks like it's, it's just God's work. And it is, say, 99% plus. <laughs> but <clears throat> the, the phrasing of that passage in Revelation, that the bride has made herself ready, there there is some part of this that depends on us. And very, very likely, that part is, is just continuing to say yes. And then doing what we said yes to. Because if, if we just say yes, and then we don't do what we said yes to, is that actually a yes? See, Jesus had a parable about that. Remember? I can't remember if it was the two brothers or, or if it was, I, I'm pretty sure it was. And one said yes, but he didn't do it. And the other said no, but then he changed his mind and he said yes and then he did it. And Jesus said, okay, so which one of these really said yes? Because the, the yes is more than a word that comes out of our mouth. Uh, the true yes comes deeper. <laughs> it, it comes from the heart. And, and, and frankly, that's, I think that's, that's it. That's our part. And that's, that's a fairly small part, right? So, what, uh, what Paul says... Um, in a part of Ephesians 3 that we, we didn't actually read. 
But I, I think this is kind of important. I'm going to start in... Uh, okay. Maybe in verse 8 of, of chapter 3. To me, though, I am the very least of all the saints. This grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you which is your glory. So Paul asks them not to lose heart because of suffering. And we need to not lose heart when we suffer. Because as, as we are beginning to understand, God does his best work in us, often, through suffering. So we, we need to not lose heart in our suffering, but we need to pray. Because we have this access to God through Christ Jesus. And I, I, I read this thing by John Piper on prayer this week that it's it's just too good not to share. Um, he says, uh, prayer is not an intercom to call the maid to bring more refreshments to the TV room. <laughs> Rather, it is a walkie-talkie to call the general to receive our orders, to ask for air cover, or request more troops and supplies to the front line. Our focus in prayer should be, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Prayer is to help advance God's eternal purpose in Christ through the church. And so, so I think one of the most important, possibly, probably, effective things that we can do for each other to, to further God's eternal purpose, not only in ourselves but for each other, is, is to pray. And, and specifically, pray that apostolic prayer from Ephesians chapter 3 
that, that we just went through. That is here somewhere. <laughs> 16 through 21. That is praying in agreement with, with the will of God. So let's do that for, for each other. And, and for the eternal purpose of God. Let's, we, we can even pray more specifically as, as the Holy Spirit leads. But we, we have this access by the blood of Jesus to the throne. And it's, it's joyous to, to pray something that you know is according to God's will. So, has your, your vision of being part of the church been illuminated this morning? I, that's, that's my hope. That, that was my prayer, that, that it would be. God is taking us to something more glorious than, than we know. I, more glorious than Paul had words for. Uh, more glorious than I think we have words for. And, and it's, it's not for us. <laughs> it's, it's for the expansion of, of his kingdom. It's, it's for the purpose of bringing others in and, and making right what, what has been messed up by the forces of darkness. So, I, I think we ought to just go out there and Mess with the kingdom of darkness. <laughs> I mean, the, the reason the Son of God came was to destroy the works of darkness. And that power is within us. So, let's, let's pray. Father, I, I thank you for the work of your Spirit within us. I, I thank you for wisdom and revelation. And I, I pray, Father, that you would impart um, your vision for the church, your eternal purpose, that you, you would place that deep within us, that it would motivate us that it would move us. Uh, that we would not be a people who lack prophetic revelation or vision. And, and Lord, I, 
I agree with Paul, and and I I pray that according to the riches of your glory, you would grant us to be strengthened with power through your Spirit in our inner being, so that Christ would dwell in our hearts through faith, and that we, being rooted and grounded in love, would have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ personally that surpasses our knowledge, that we would be filled with all the fullness of God. And I thank you that you are able to do far more abundantly than we can even ask or think according to your power that is at work within us. So to you be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And Lord, give us the yes in our hearts to keep going with you where no man has gone before. In Jesus' name. Woo! Just got a shout. <laughs> I mean, that's good stuff. <laughs> Yes, Lord, do, do your work. Do your work.